Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to 10, and 29-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of three books. These books are based on my years as a homeschooling mom, and you can find all three of them on Amazon, or you can find them at my website, DorendaWilson.com. I'd love for you to leave a rating or review from where you're listening if you have a minute. If you don't, I completely understand, but it really helps get the podcast out in front of other moms, and that's what we want, right? We want as many moms as possible being encouraged. Math as homeschooling moms can be a challenge for both us and for our kids. Have you ever felt limited by grade-specific math materials? Do you ever wish your child could revisit earlier lessons or jump ahead when they're ready? Here's a not-so-secret gem that I have come across and grown to love. It's CTC Math, where boundaries in learning simply don't exist. With a single subscription, you gain access to all lessons across all grade levels from kindergarten right up to 12th grade. Imagine the freedom. Struggling with a concept? Jump back a grade for the clarity. Ready to advance? Forge ahead. Perfect for homeschoolers, after-school tutoring, and anyone keen to truly master math at their own pace. Unlock unlimited potential with CTC Math. Um, By going to ctcmath.com, you can find a free trial there, and I encourage you to go and check that out. So today we're going to be talking about the war on men. Now, this war is very real and one that we must win. Now, most of us as Christian moms are very aware of this, but we're fighting an uphill battle and we need regular doses of encouragement. And that's what you're going to find on today's episode. But before we talk to my guest and go further in depth on this topic, I want to tell you about an amazing summer leadership camp that my friends at Excel College host. It's no secret that now more than ever before, it's vital for our teens to learn to think critically and live wisely as they navigate the world and become who God made them to be. My friends at Excel College are passionate about helping young leaders learn to discover God's truth, discern wisely, and live wholeheartedly and have fun doing it. If the teenager in your home wants to grow in their faith while building lifelong friendships and going on the adventure of a lifetime, send them to Excel College's Summer Leadership Camp. It's a transformative journey where they will go on thrilling adventures like camping, rock climbing, and whitewater rafting. They'll also receive expert training and certifications in categories from CPR to wilderness first aid. You can apply now at theexcelcamp.org. Select select Dorenda Wilson for $100 off the camp. I'll leave a link in the show notes to make it easy for you to get there. So when it came to raising our five boys, sometimes I felt like I was raising another species. Uh, Sometimes I found it challenging to understand my husband as well, but I've always known that it was important to encourage manhood in both my husband and our boys. I do know this, that we are in a battle for the hearts of both our men and boys. Our culture is speaking all nature of lies when it comes to manhood, and we cannot let the culture define our men and who God made them to be. We have to help fight for their right to be who God made them to be. Today, My guest, Owen Strand, is here to talk about his book, The War on Men. Um, Owen Strand is a provost and research professor of theology at Grace Bible Theology Seminary 
and a senior fellow with the Family Research Council. He earned a PhD in theology from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. The author of 20 books, including Reenchanting Humanity, A Theology of Mankind. Uh, Owen lives with his family in Conway, Arkansas. Owen, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you so much, Dorenda. Thank you for having me. Well, I was really excited when I heard this book was coming out. I think I emailed you months ago. Um, Of course, we had to put the interview off because the book didn't come out till October, but it is out now. And so I want to just kind of jump back to um, what inspired you to write this book? Because nobody writes a book. I don't think maybe some people do without inspiration, but (laughs) I know I don't. (laughs) I don't get very far. So what inspired you to write this book and why now? Well, I've been working and and thinking about manhood for honestly a, a couple decades now. I trained under theologian Al Mohler at Southern Seminary. My father-in-law is Bruce Ware, who was the head of the mm-hmm. Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And there's a lot of uh, avenues in my past that lead me to this moment. I've been mm-hmm. concerned about the state of modern men for some time. Mm-hmm. And if you're tracking trends with both manhood and womanhood, you recognize, especially in the broader culture, that the rising generation in particular does not know what Mm -hmm. it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman. And so my generation can watch a lot of the cultural chaos going on and, and shake our head. But my real burden with this book, The War on Men, is to try to equip parents and church leaders and Christians in general to raise the next generation in a culture that has declared manhood and boyhood toxic. That's my real burden. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I think um, that we're we're all feeling that. I I know my audience pretty well, and they, uh, I think, pretty they're pretty familiar with the biblical uh, manhood and womanhood, but I think that the culture often uh, it can kind of chip away at that if we're not careful to keep that front and center. Um, and we're seeing the the consequences in uh, in our culture of weak male leadership. So um, maybe you could share with us what you see as uh, some of the consequences of weak male leadership in society in general. Yeah, I'll answer that. Let me just jump back to a point you made a minute ago that it is no easy or glancing thing to raise a boy to a man. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Boys really are, at least in a good number of cases, bursting with Mm -hmm. energy and testosterone. (laughs) And boys need a ton of shepherding and shaping and correcting and directing and love and forgiveness. And so let's not, in having this conversation, pretend as if boys are not volatile. Boys in a way that girls often are not, you know, really can swing to extremes. Boys can be harnessed for such good when God works in them. And boys with their outsized testosterone and strength can be used for real evil. Men and women alike equally Mm -hmm. need Jesus. Men are not Mm -hmm. worse sinners than women or something like that. Boys are not worse sinners than girls. But the fact that boys on average have 2,500% more testosterone than girls and 50 to 60% more upper body strength than girls means that the volatility of a boy, when it is not seriously shepherded, can really swing out of, uh, out of any known lane and cause major havoc and damage. So mm-hmm. we, I love that. 
yeah, we have a real mandate. And I have two daughters and a son, and, and we're now in the middle years with our kids, ages 15, 12, and nine, girl, boy, girl. And so with a 12-year-old boy, Dorenda, that shapes a lot of the burden, not that I know how to do this perfectly or I have right. figured out some perfect formula. No such formula exists. And I would really want to encourage mothers and homeschooling moms in that regard. But I would just say, um, this is a project we have to lock in on. We have to know it's not going to be easy, but we we cannot buy into the culture's lie that when our boys are acting up, when they're acting aggressive, when they're ping-ponging around the house and they desperately need to go outside and just run laps. Sometimes my mm -hmm. wife just says to my son in the course of a homeschooling day, all right, buddy, you got to go run five laps around the neighborhood mm -hmm. or around the mm -hmm. house. Sometimes mm -hmm. you just got to do that. There's a lot more to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, I can yeah. completely agree. You know, we had uh, five boys and four of them were born in less than six years. Mm. So they were bam, 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 bam. And uh, I many, many, many times, I actually just made it part of our daily routine where they would take breaks between <laughs> subjects and go jump on the trampoline or whatever. And, you know, just so many ways of redirecting that energy towards something uh, productive, even if it is running laps around the house. I just, but I think it's changing our thinking about what we're expecting from these mm -hmm. boys. And I think the culture has really uh, twisted that. And so instead of enjoying these amazing qualities that boys mm -hmm. have. Um, that my boys have taught me so much over the years and they continue to teach me. They're all mostly in their, in their twenties. Now about one, it's 19, all the rest of them are in their twenties and they just continually surprise me with just their, just their, their thinking and their intelligence and their problem solving and all these things. But that started way back when they were home and I said, you know, I knew that they needed to be boys. And that meant that I had to push out of my mind <laughs> the standard uh, public school setting and say, no, we're going to do what is best for these boys. And that did involve a lot of laps and wood chopping and physical exercise and push-ups and <laughs> lots of things. Yeah. But so they, they took it like a champ. And I think it was really, uh, really, really good for them. And they would tell you the same thing. So yeah, so stating some profound truths here. But in reality, if as a man, you start from the standpoint that your wife is different than you, 1 Peter 3, 7, and you need to work to understand her, and that's going to take a lot of tenderness and patience and listening and kindness, that's going to set you up for thriving in your marriage. And then as a woman, if you set yourself up by thinking, okay, this man is very different than me, but I want to hear him. I want to respect him. I want to communicate love to him. I want to submit to him as much as I possibly can. Can, all of this by the grace of God on both sides, forgiving each other as you fail, then yeah, I think you're in a way better position than where our culture puts us in telling us, oh, you're going to be just the same and it's going to be smooth sailing from that starting point. I don't think that's mm -hmm. true. I, I completely agree. I um, We've been married, my husband and I have been married for 34 years and um, is as different as we can be, I wouldn't change a thing. I, I love the strengths that he has and the mm. ways that he, he just brings so much good into my life. And, uh, and I try to do the same for him. And, and it, it really always comes back down to what does God's word say about marriage? And so when we've come to those points where he's, he and I just haven't, we're not seeing eye to eye on something. Um, I know that I, my job is to, is to pray 
pray, ask the Lord to give him wisdom. And then ultimately, after I've said what I need to say and he's heard and he's heard what I've said, if he chooses to make a different decision, I have to respect that. And I have to honor that and trust God that he's going to do something in it. And more often than not, I I have found that I was the one who was not, I I wasn't getting it. Like (laughs) the the (laughs) Lord was definitely speaking to my husband and, and not to me. And that's, you know, I think that there's so much freedom in that. I think that's the thing that I've, I've really tried to get across to moms is like this whole idea of submitting to your husband is not, um, it's not, we're not being oppressed by this. This is actually freedom. I can't tell you how many ways that my anxiety is relieved mm. by in living God's principles out in our marriage. And obviously we, we don't always do that perfectly, but um, I, I think we've continued to work to make that happen. And I'm telling you, there's just such a sweetness after over three decades together. It's just... Mm. There's nothing like it. I always say old mm. love is way better than new love. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh. All right. So consequences of weak male leadership in society. Mm. What do you think those are? Because I think maybe possibly um, the culture has very much impacted um, the church and impacted our thinking um, typically. And I, maybe some moms out there aren't really seeing what the consequences really are. This is such an important question. I remember being in a family setting a few years ago, and it was actually to remember a loved one who had died. Mm. And nobody took control of this situation, not out of any evil desire or something like that, but there wasn't clear leadership. Mm. And so though this was supposed to be a really profound and meaningful time, here we were uh, honoring a loved one we all cared for, we all uh, you know loved dearly. No one really spoke up. No one said anything. And it was this profoundly uh, dispiriting exercise where mm. um, without leadership, uh, there's just no direction. There, there's there's no clarity. And so everybody mm-hmm. just sat there. And I think mm-hmm. that little family event has been magnified many times over in our world in recent years, as men have very much been told, by the way, to lean back as women have been called to lean in. And so men are taking their cues, even as they're living according to their flesh, um, and they're not leading and they're not stepping forward. And what results is listlessness and even chaos as that builds. And we are surely seeing that all around us today. Mm -hmm. But then on the other end, you have evil men proliferating. You have evil men in our world and no one is stopping them. No one is standing up against them. Uh, there's very little check on them. And so what our culture has basically said, Dorenda, is this. If we do away with strong manhood, um, then what we'll have are nice, soft men. And then the world will be cleansed of its evils. We won't have mm-hmm. patriarchy. We won't have oppression, as you alluded to a minute ago. And the world will heal. If you take away all these strong, toxic men, the world will heal. Mm. And that's not what happens. What Mm. happens when you take away strong, good men, and by that I mean men who are weak in themselves but are made strong, called to be strong in the grace of God. Mm -hmm. When you take away those men and when you take away men who may not be a born-again believer but in some common grace way think that they should protect and help and lead others in a way that we would generally be thankful for, when all those men disappear, evil men don't go, huh, this is a new situation. I guess I'll just 
head for a cave somewhere and chill right. there for a while. No, they they flood a culture. They flood a society. They recognize opportunity. They smell it in the air. They smell mm-hmm. blood in the water like a shark. Mm-hmm. And here they come. And so um, the, the, the toxicity argument has not helped our world or healed our world. It has made our world far less safe, far more dangerous. And that, that's even what we're seeing right now in early October 2023, almost mid-October, uh, with uh, around the world, not to drive us into foreign mm-hmm. policy discussions, but you've got um, terrorists all over the world celebrating a horrific attack on Israel, uh, terrifically evil attack. And, uh, and there's just not a lot of public response on the part of many American leaders and others. Mm-hmm. We're just in such a weak moment right now mm-hmm. in a bad mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So uh, to speak more directly to the moms who are listening, could you just maybe talk about some ways that we can encourage both our men and our boys mm-hmm. in manhood um, so that we can just begin to maybe shift the tide here? Yeah, it's so crucial to have a mom who loves her boy. Um, I think the kind of uh, identity pieces that we were talking about earlier are crucial. So knowing that your boy is wired to be a boy, he's made by God for aggression, for action. Uh, He's made by God to compartmentalize, uh, which means to focus on a task intensely. That's not something going wrong with him. That's Mm -hmm. actually something going right. Right, right. It's not not a bug. It's a feature. Exactly. (laughs) And, And all of these instinctual wirings, Dorenda, uh, to your to your many listeners, they need very much the grace of God to impact them and shape them. Absolutely, and and there's room for repentance, you know, with compartmentalized focus or with aggression or assertiveness or risk taking nature. I remember uh, unscrewing the cap on a red pepper dispenser at a pizza place growing up in coastal Maine about 30 years ago, for no good reason other than there was a cute girl across the booth from me. Took a straw. <laughs> blew as hard as I could into the red pepper flakes. Ostensibly, as I survey the remnants of my past, that was to impress her. I don't know what possessed me other than just the sheer power of testosterone to think that was going to impress her. She was not impressed. But it did blow red pepper into my eye, necessitating no less than basically an emergency optometrist appointment. My point with sharing this is that boys very much do need shepherding and training and correcting. Mm-hmm. But I would just say, as a mom is is providing all of that, she is also remembering that she's not trying to make her son a girl. She's mm-hmm. remembering that she needs to, to not just say, don't do that, 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 all through the day. She needs to turn him loose. She needs to give him some good ends. And, and dad, before he goes to work or whatever, you know, if he works at home, dad needs to pop in and say, hey, son, I need you to do this, this, and this for me today. And um, so, so you need to shape and direct your boy. And if we can do these things, we can take heart. God will work on our boys' hearts um, and God will direct them to good things. And as God works in their heart, they will want to put their strength and their assertiveness and their gifts to good ends. Not every boy, of course, is called to go bail hay or you know, right. be a policeman. Some boys are called to be a computer programmer. Some boys mm-hmm. are called to be a musician or a poet or also a, a chef. But a, a boy can take his God-given capacities as his father and mother both teach him that those, those instincts are not bad. Right. Those are good. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a it's a temptation sometimes as moms to, you know, almost mock um, boys for the the things they do, like the story you just mentioned. Um, and I think it's really important, you know, to not to not go there to to keep a level of respect towards your boys and who they were made to be. I mean, my sons and I, we we have laughed about a lot of goofy things that they have done. And so there, that's one thing I do love about boys yeah. is they're pretty good about just laughing at themselves, you know, and thinking it's hysterical. And this is something I loved to do with them was just to laugh with them, to yes. be goofy with them. Because when I do that, I'm saying, you have permission to be goofy. Let's be goofy together, you know? And so there's just, there's so many little things throughout the day that we can do to affirm who God made our boys to be. But I love the idea of dad leaving a few things um, for mm-hmm. sons to do when they're leaving, when we, while they're gone. It, it kind of gives them that feeling of being a little bit of the head of the household, getting to kind of practice that, um, you know, and, and yeah. we had this with our boys too, where, you know, they would, they would, they would try to run the show. And, and sometimes I wouldn't realize what was happening. But then when I did realize it, I would just look at them and say, look, I love that you have a conquering spirit, that you were made to be a leader. Those are all really great things. And Mm -hmm. you're going to use all those things someday. And you're going to have a wife and children to lead. I am not that wife. (laughs) (laughs) I would tell them I, I already have a husband. And so right now your job, you're in training right now. And so your job is to honor me as your mom to respect me. And so when they would try to say things like, you know, every now and then they'd start that, uh, they'd start referring me to me as bro. And I'd look at them (laughs) and I'd say, I'm not your bro. I'm your mom, you know? And so really just kind of showing them how to treat a woman, first of all, but that also means that I have to show them how a woman should treat them. So if I'm not setting that example of respecting their manhood, they they are not going to understand that finding and marrying a woman who respects that is important. And yeah, yeah, that's right. When I leave um, for work uh, at the seminary where I teach, I will not always, but regularly give my son something to do. And it, it's not usually a seven hour task, you know, right. he's 12. So <laughs> right. he's not doing what I'm doing as an adult man and providing for a family. But I am seeking to train him into being a worker and a full-time provider, God willing, down the road. And so, you know, I'll say, uh, I need 30 minutes of weeding from you today. And not everybody grows up, you know, in a prairie paradise where they can roam fields or, you know, in a mountainous territory or something like this. Uh, I'm from Maine myself, as I said, so I love those kind of territories. And if you can, if you can get that good, uh, that'll be good for your girls and good for your boy, but not everybody can. A lot of people today live in cities and suburbs. And what we need to see though, is uh, moms shouldn't lose heart. Dads shouldn't lose heart in terms of training boys into being a leader protector and provider in a Genesis two way, what, what boys can do is they can have an assigned task, even if it's around the house and and they can work at that task. So my, my son does yard work, you know, on a regular basis now, and mm-hmm. he's been trained into that first he mm-hmm. mowed a little bit of the yard and he got a little feedback on that. And then more and more now he mows the entire yard. It takes him almost two hours and he does weeding for me, for his mom, you know, but mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do is just give him that taste of being a worker 
and uh, and let it build from there. And I think those kind of little little indications and little tasks we do those can be bigger than we know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Those those everyday things that that that's where that's where the training happens. That's that's where it happens. And I think that sometimes we think it has to be this big, you know planned orchestrated thing and and it really really doesn't it it really just can be that organic living life at home together what are the the heavy tasks the big bigger things that need to happen that you can yes. put those boys on where they're going to blow off that energy mm-hmm. um you know th- i remember just physically working our boys a lot and they were so satisfied. Mm-hmm. And there was just this satisfaction that they had um, of a job well done, of having worked really hard. And they all have a love for that now as adults. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do have to tell you a funny story. When there was a point at which um, a couple of our boys, they were all really close together. So lots of competition, which is good. It's good for them, but it gets a little crazy sometimes. Uh, yes. One time they were... <laughs> There were two of them that I just felt like at any moment they were going to deck each other. It was just this constant tension. Finally, I just had it. I thought, okay, what do I do? I was kind of just praying about it. And I pulled out a car mat, like one of those big Costco car mats. And I turned it upside down and I put one in one corner and one in the other. And I gave them each a pair of boxing gloves that I bought at a yard sale. And I said, okay, you guys have five minutes to beat the tar out of each other. Okay. Um, (laughs) If you get hurt don't come crying to me. This is your deal. So here we go. Now go. And they went to the center and they took these sort of half-hearted punches at each other. And then they hung onto each other and fell to the ground and started rolling around and it completely eliminated the tension between the two of them. But I think that's something to expect as a mom. This, it it feels foreign to us, but at the end of the day, um, this is how they're put together and you have to have very different solutions. (laughs) You do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Boys are made for dominion. Um, Mm -hmm. they're made to lead in taking dominion. They fulfill the dominion mandate in a Genesis 1, 26 to 28 sense with women and, and they must have women as co-equal partners in that uh, in terms of multiplying and filling the earth with little image bearers to the glory of God. But fundamentally, yes, boys need to understand that that instinct to compete at some level, that instinct to get after it, um, that instinct to be aggressive and assertive, um, those are not bad instincts. Those are God-given instincts. That's the wiring of God in a boy. But that wiring has to be shaped. It has to be molded. It has to be shepherded. It has to have the truth of God and the grace of God come to bear on it. But that's exactly right. This is why when boys have recess, you know, they go outside and and at least in a lot of cases, they don't necessarily want to work through the social dynamics of the classroom for the last couple hours. What they want to do, because they have a lot of testosterone coursing through their body in a way they could not even articulate and do not even know. They don't know they on average have 2,500% more than girls, but they do know, again, at least a good number of boys, not every boy, but they do know that, you know, they need to hit something. They need to have physical contact. They need to have a little wrestling match. They need to play basketball, football, baseball, whatever it may be. And, and that's not bad. That's uh, that's part of their wiring that can all go awry. um, But that's, that's not a bad thing. Like our culture is telling us it is those instincts are not toxic. And then there's other boys. I need to just say this very quickly as well. Sure. There are other boys who, who aren't as physically inclined, who aren't as athletically gifted or however you want to frame that. 
but they still are very much boys and they still want respect and they still mm-hmm. want to build something they're good at mm-hmm. and and they still can and i would just say in an american context we need to be careful not to write those boys off mm-hmm. or present them as if they're not boys not fully boys just because right. they may not be in the starting five no what they need is a father and mother who closely track with them, who do push them, you know, to get some Mm -hmm. physical experience and that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. but who, as they're growing, are watching their boy and learning their boy and trying to help him figure out things that he's good at, vocational pursuits, you know, disciplines, and then shepherd him into that and give him that respect and honor that he craves and that good feedback. And so, um, you know, a lot of boys are physically wired, yes, but others are going to be less so. That doesn't mean they're not a young man. They're not going to be a man. And it doesn't mean that that physical instinct in them is the strongest part of biblical manhood. Biblical manhood does very much involve our physicality, but there is spiritual training that is far more important than physical training. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 about that building and and producing, and that can look a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd like you to just share how faith plays a role in shaping and empowering men and boys to fulfill their p- potential, because all the listeners are uh, Christian homeschooling moms, and I think maybe they're kind of wanting to hear a little bit more about the faith aspect. Yeah, well, that begins in the home too, I, I fully believe. And it begins with a father and a mother who, you know, God willing, love the Lord Jesus Christ, are saved by Christ, and and not just uh, take the family to church on Sunday because you got to do that, but know who live out Christianity in a real, authentic, flesh and blood way. You need, in ideal terms, not a perfect mom and dad. We are not called to be that, and we, in fact, can't be that. Only Jesus was perfect. But you need a father and mother who, by the grace of God, are seeking to read the Bible and pray and um stand for what is true, uh, shape the kids in a biblical direction, teach them the word of God, bring them to a sound church, and who overall are exhibiting, and we cannot underplay this. There's a lot of pressure to do this form of devotions or family worship every single night or these sorts of things. There's a lot of good in those kind of pursuits. I'm not down on them. But what I would just say is, I think what is especially powerful and appealing to kids as we're trying to raise them as disciples of Jesus Christ, is a fun, joyful, and convictional father and mother Mm. in their own masculine and feminine forms, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I think that's really what a kid wants. Mm. Whether that family does family devotion six nights a week or not, I don't think that's so much what we have to worry about. Mm -hmm. We want the word of God all, all worked through our home. Amen. But Amen. but what I really, the Bible doesn't actually say a lot about what the weekly structure of that, the spiritual life of the family is supposed to be. Right. We have a lot of freedom. And I would want to relieve moms from feeling six metric tons of pressure right. to make every single day this 10-hour spiritual church experience. I would mm. say, actually, as of course you're you're bringing the word of god into your home with your husband leading in that respect your husband is the head of the home in that respect and if he's not leading in that pray for him but anyway let's assume the dad is leading spiritually at some level praying getting the word of god into the family directing conversations that way um 
but I would just say authentic Christian fatherhood and motherhood is mm. huge. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, very quickly, putting a lot on the table here, but uh, forgiving your children, even in some cases, as is appropriate, not all the time, repenting of your sin before mm-hmm. your children, showing that you're not Jesus. You need Jesus just as much as they do. Mm-hmm. When there are some tense moments in the family, not being a perfectionist and pretending like sin is never going to intrude on the family, but helping the kids understand that we don't want sin to be in our family and in our hearts, but it is. And so we can work through it realistically and we can, again, forgive one another and give grace to one another. And there's a lot of times when we we need to not go level 100 in different situations, but we mm-hmm. need to just be calm and correct kids gently and under control. And then last thing I'll say is, have fun as a Christian. Be a mm-hmm. joyful Christian, not a wound tight Christian so intense that you can barely approach dad or mom. Mm-hmm. No, a a kind, fun, loving believer. Dorenda, I, I just think we've got a lot of wound up intensity in our movement and from some good motives. Mm-hmm. But I actually think we all probably, at least a good number of us, need to just breathe and exhale and be authentic Christians and laugh and go get mm-hmm. some ice cream, mm-hmm. go for a walk <laughs> and let God work, work it all out. Amen. Amen. I just, I'm looking back over our years, um, not the perfect homeschooling parents, not the perfect Christian parents, but definitely convicted, definitely had a lot of fun, definitely mm-hmm. had a lot of joy in our household. And it's made our faith that we've presented to our children throughout our life, just modeling it mainly. Um, and of course, speaking it and living it, um, but it's made it attractive to them. Yes, They don't want something else because other things don't look better <laughs> than what we have as a family. And, you know, in, in terms of our faith being central and all of that. So really good words. I really appreciate that. Um, how would the listeners benefit from reading The War on Men? Yeah, there can be a tendency with a manhood book like this, mm-hmm. The War on Men, to think, well, that's for my husband. I'm not going to read right, that. Right. Absolutely not the case. Um, this is a book for men and women alike. This is a book <clears throat> that does attempt to map the pressure that men are under and the ways that men are attacked today. And those are real ways. Mm-hmm. There is a real war on men today, as I seek to show. But then I also very much call men to a godly standard. And so, This is a book that a wife can read and track with in order to understand the wiring of her husband, both biblically and bodily and physiologically. And um, I think that will really help Christian Mm -hmm. wives and Christian Mm -hmm. mothers and those who are raising boys, Mm -hmm. because it's not going to detract from your mothering uh, to learn more about um, these God-made realities. It's going to help. Um, and, And then I pray that as Christian women do pick this book up and do read it, that 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 will begin good conversations with husbands and that there will be listening on both sides and understanding on both sides. And I pray there's a lot of struggling marriages out there, Dorenda, and I don't Mm -hmm. mean the ones that land in TMZ headlines. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's quiet struggle. There's Mm -hmm. a husband and wife who are, I think this is the most common form probably. They are committed to each other. They genuinely love each other. They're, they're doing good things in terms of the structure of the family life, 
But yet, and this happens to all of us at different points, there's not great communication. Mm -hmm. There may be bitterness on the wife's part. There may be uh, a felt lack of respect on the husband's part. Mm -hmm. And that can then seep into the rest of life and that can cause distance and it Mm -hmm. can cause pain. And, And again, not in the sense that it would ever land in the headlines or in church discipline right, situations, right. but it's just not a, a thriving, flourishing marriage. And I want to say to women out there and to men who may somehow hear this, mm-hmm. if that's you, there is hope for you. Mm-hmm. The grace of God will work. Um, what needs to happen is good conversation. If you need counseling, biblical counseling in different situations, don't feel like that is, you know, failure or you're the only couple that's ever had to have that. Mm -hmm. We all need help. And I I would just try to say um, that to to women and men alike. So I pray that this book can spark some of those good conversations. I would encourage women who, whose men, whose husband is not leading uh, in the way they would pray he would uh, in some of the forms we've talked about. I would encourage them not to lose heart and I would encourage them not to freak out. Right. Uh, <laughs> very ins- important. <laughs> very important. But instead to do everything they can to have calm, good conversation with their husband. And I'll, I'll just say this. Men can sometimes really struggle with pride and really mm-hmm. struggle with listening to their wife. And I know that myself personally. But um, but I pray that the book can be used to begin good conversations, not just for those in flaming crisis, but for those who are really wanting to grow, but feeling like that may be a distant possibility. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, where can uh, moms and their husbands buy a copy of The War on Men and connect uh, with you online? Oh, yeah, I appreciate that. Probably um, Amazon is still okay. a good place to go. Right, right, right. Yeah. I will leave a link in the show notes for that. And how do they connect with you online? Thank you. I've got a new podcast with Salem mm-hmm. Podcast Network called Grace and Truth with Owen Strand. So they can Look for that and subscribe. It's also mm-hmm. on YouTube. And okay. then uh, my Twitter is at O-S-T-R-A-C-H-A-N. And my Instagram is at Prof, S-T-R-A-C-H-A-N. I have this long Scottish last name. It looks like <laughs> Strachan. It is Strand. No one ever gets it right. But there you go. Perfect. Well, we'll include those links Thank in you. the show notes. So moms, you can make it easy for you <laughs> to connect. Um, well, Owen, would you mind closing in a word of prayer? I would love to. Thank you. Thank you. Father God, thank you so much for Dorenda. Thank you for her heart for your truth, her heart for mothers, her heart for the family. Thank you for the track record of faithfulness in her own life. You have clearly caused her to thrive and flourish alongside her husband in so many ways. And I thank you for the wisdom she's able to offer now. Uh, And I pray, Father, for many women out there listening to this who, who may aspire to what we have talked about, but who may feel discouraged, like they can't hit that standard, not because of what hopefully has been communicated here, but just because we're they're in real circumstances that are challenging. And I pray, Father, that you would encourage those women, you would strengthen them in your truth, you would give them hearts full of faith, your Holy Spirit would minister very powerfully to them. And I pray for those marriages we did cover in this podcast, that they would uh, be strengthened by Christ. I pray for men to understand their wives well and listen to their wives and lead them in a Christ-like way, in Ephesians 5 way. I just pray, Father, that uh, in all of this, your gospel would work in our marriages, in our homes, as we engage our children. 
pray, Father, for fathers and mothers alike, that we would be known as those who are full of grace and truth, like our Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.